Welcome to Simply Ideal HQ. On this podcast, we engage thought leaders on topical issues around law and business in the most simplistic manner. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Simply by Deal HQ. My name is Adiferi Adiemo. Today's episode is special because it's our first client feature episode and we'll be discussing alternative financing for corporations with specific focus on invoice factoring. We are privileged to have as our guest on this episode the CEO of Capsa Technology Limited, Africa's first indigenous digital invoice factoring platform, Mr. Mustafa Shuberu. Mr. Mustafa, welcome to Simply and congratulations for being our first guest in our client feature series. Thank you, Adifara. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for taking out the time. So as our custom on Simply, our listeners will be itching to gain insights into the nuances of invoice factoring as an alternative finance product. So without further ado, I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a bit about Capsa Technologies. What inspired you into coming into the market as a technology-enabled invoice factoring business? Okay, I mean, thank you so much, um, Adifara. So Capsa Technology, I mean, as the name implies, is essentially a technology company. And um, what we do is, what we do is essentially see how we can use technology to solve problems that are germane to um, to to businesses, um, not just businesses, but as well as to the economic prosperity of Nigeria and Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole, right? Um, the the business was incorporated in about three years ago, and we've spent um, the last of those, we've spent very good part of those three years to to really um, shape our solution, right? And see how we can have a solution that is scalable, a solution that addresses a critical part of um, a critical part, a critical part of the Nigerian economy, not just Nigerian economy, but but African economy as a whole, and that is how can um, small businesses, right? Um, how can they sustainably assess funding in a competitive manner to not just fund their working capital needs, but also to fund their growth objectives, right? Um, um, so that's what that's what we do essentially, and that's what Capstar Technology is is all about. Uh, with respect to what what inspired us into coming to the market with um, with our innovative um, invoice factoring solutions, it's again tied to to what the core mission is, right? Providing sustainable solutions um, to to not just solve business problems, but for economic growth and prosperity. Um, prior to Capstar, if I may say, um, my co-founder and I. We've, we've had the experience of um, trying to see how we can support small businesses in the past, right? So right off business school, we had set up a fund and um, on a monthly basis, we typically use part of our, our, our salaries, then we we'll put it into a fund. And the goal of that fund was to provide working capital for small businesses, right? But again, that exposed us to all the inherent risks involved in lending to that aspect of the um, of the economy, right, and um, and also how not to give cash or funding to these small businesses, right, and um, and that also made it clear why a whole lot of say banks or financial institutions would not touch that segment of the economy, despite how important they are, right, um, and so that with that learning, um, what what led what 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 it led to was for us to ask ourselves how do we sustainably um, create a solution that would address the gap 
in that space. And just to put that in perspective, um, the, in the emerging economy as a whole, it's estimated that um, the financing gap for small businesses is about $5.5 trillion. And um, if you want to bring that down to sub-Saharan Africa, it's um, somewhere above, um, say, $200 billion, right? And you want to bring that depending on whose statistics you're using, um, it could be as high as $2 billion per annum. So for us, um, it's, it's a solution that um, uh, if to sustainably address that solution, we, we believe a single entity cannot do it, right? And the question was now, how, one, do you, uh, do you bring everyone together to, to contribute to their balance sheet and fund this gap that you see? Number two, how do you do it in a way that it becomes less um, risky and becomes more attractive for, for the owners of these balance sheets, that's the financiers, to, um, to commit their resources to fund this gap, right? And um, number three, how do you make it um, more competitive for these small businesses and make it easier, faster, um, to, to assess funding without them having to bring collateral and all through you know, all other bogus requirements with respect from a traditional finance institution. So answering all these questions um, brought us to the concept of creating a marketplace and not just a marketplace, but a marketplace that would enable invoice factoring. Factoring in the sense that we wanted these small businesses for the first time to leverage the credit quality of a bigger company, right? And what that, what, what that implies is, um, number one, since the, the credit, since the credit quality of bigger companies will be leveraged, it means, um, the, the costs of, of assessing funding from these small businesses would be cheaper compared to if the, um, if, if the risk was actually there that's been assessed. Number two, the markets, um, place approach would, would ensure that they get the best rate because we have a situation whereby multiple Financiers will place a bid for those invoices. And um, number three, um, we've also made it easier for, for financiers to fund these transactions because the risk profile has significantly reduced because the entity being assessed is a much bigger entity than those small businesses. So, I mean, in a nutshell, um, in order not to bore you with, with so much of the details, um, that's what inspired us into coming in, uh, into having a solution that supports invoice factoring in Africa. Thank you very much for that comprehensive um, summary. Um, just going off what you said about providing alternative financing, um, over the last few years, the alternative finance marketplace seems to have morphed into a parallel credit aggregator um, competing with traditional banking institutions and drawing significant global investor attention. So. Um, as mobile and internet penetration is growing, service users are bypassing traditional banking processes in favor of more technology efficient ones. Um, so how do you think this growth has impacted in, in financial inclusion and real sector growth in Nigeria? Okay, um, thanks. So the alternative financing space is still at its very nascent um, stage. Um, uh, but the way I see it right down the line, I actually don't see it as being um, a rivalry or um, as it's competing aggressively, if I use your word, with the traditional banking institutions or traditional banking financial, inst um, traditional financial institutions you have out there. Um, I see it playing more of a complementary role, right? And I will explain that from our experience so far at, at CAPSA. Um, complementary role in the sense that um, 
um, it's 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 um, it's more uh, the alternative financing space is more or less creating um, for the financing standpoint or for the traditional financial institutions, right? One of the things we do is to create a new form of asset class for them to fund, right? Um, why um, number two for the recipient of the fund, um, we've been able to leverage technology to make it easier, faster, and um, cheaper for um, for um, for the users of the fund to gain access to, to those funds, right? Um, so with respect to how it has impacted financial inclusion so far in Nigeria. Um, it, like I mentioned earlier, it's still at a very nascent stage. Um, there are really no data or no research has been done to um, to, to to back it up to say this is what has uh, this is how much impact it, it has created. But a couple of the things you have to look at to see um, a couple of things you have to we, we can we can draw inferences from to say these are the impact it's been creating not just from Nigeria, even from a global standpoint, right? Um, number one is, um, for the first time, we're making it easier and possible for people that won't have um, that on the normal or typically won't have access to funding from um, from banks, right? And I'll again draw from 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 the capsize experience. Um, we have a couple of small businesses on our books as customers that prior to now they won't fit the bill for a bank to, to give credit to or for a financial institution to give any form of um, cash to. But today, because they are leveraging the, the credit quality of, say, um, a Stambik or the credit quality of an Adova um, or Olam as listed on the platform, they're able to have funding from those same financial institutions that would traditionally not give it to them. Number two, we've also been able to see situations whereby um, some businesses have been able to um, I've been able to more or less um, withstand the increased volatility we've seen in the Nigerian market space, particularly with respect to price instability, right? Um, we've had situations where customers said to us that, oh, uh, you know, they've supplied, they've made supplies or deliveries to a particular customer. The next time they're supposed to, uh, waiting for 30 or 60 days, um, the exchange rate must have moved, prices would have changed, given um, due to inflationary pressures in the economy. And by the time they're going back to restock, they're already at a loss, right, um, due, due to price movement. But with our solution, what has happened is they've been able to beat um, that, um, those, those, um, those inflationary um, pressures or, or movement in exchange rate in the sense that once they are done supplying, they're able to trade those invoices and immediately restock um, their goods and and get set for the next uh, for the next business opportunity, right? Um, so in that instance, we can say we see the impact, we see how it's growing. And um, number three, just 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 to put it out there, right? In terms of how how the space is growing, when we started out this as of July um, 2021, right? We had about fifty thousand dollars worth of transactions in the month. That was in the month of June. Today, um, as at end of February. Right, we comfortably processed over two million dollars worth of transactions in a single month. Right, and cumulatively, um, in six months, we've done over ten million dollars worth of transactions. So that's to give you the sense of growth within six to seven months of how people are gradually adopting this form of financing and using it to fund their operations and businesses, even for people that traditionally wouldn't have been able to access funding from the banks. Thank you very much for that. Um, 
So I'm sure everyone wants to understand what invoice factoring is. So what is invoice factoring? And when you compare it with other forms of alternative finance products, such as crowdfunding, P2P lending, and asset finance, what would you say are the broad advantages of invoice factoring? And why should one person choose invoice factoring and not the other forms of alternative financing? Also, is invoice factoring suited to any particular category of creditors or accessible and beneficial to all? Is it a one-size-fits-all kind of solution? Okay, I think I'll start from the last part. Yes, it's a one-size-fits solution. Um, it's not um, beneficial to a particular suite of creditor, I mean, or particular suite of, um, say, um, customers, right? It's, it's, it's beneficial to all, depending on what your risk appetites are and um, what your business objectives are, um, essentially. That said, um, invoice factoring itself is um, essentially a process whereby um, a company decides to um, to sell its accounts receivables or to sell its receivables. Receivables in this instance are invoices, right? Decide to sell its receivables to a third party and third party in this instance in our own framework is a financial institution or an investor. Um, and that sale would typically happen at a discount, right? So you're selling your rights to a future cash flow to someone else. Right. And um, the, the, the reason why, um, how, how, how it is a bit different from other form of financing that you mentioned, crowdfunding, P2P lending and asset finance is why, um, why those other forms of financing are essentially debt financing, whereby you are more or less taking a loan from another party with the obligation to pay back at a future date. Right. In invoice factoring, it's not really a loan. You are more or less trading um, your rights to a future cash flow to a third party at a discount. And that third party would not be the one that has the obligation or the right to that cash flow when um, your principal makes payments, right? And um, the another key area of, of difference and which is just an advantage for invoice factoring compared to the other means you mentioned is in invoice factoring, the obligation um, sits with an anchor, right? An anchor in this instance is, um, the company that receives services from the supplier, right? And in most instances, the anchor uh, are credible institutions. They have their well, um, well rated. Um, so what it means for the supplier is they're able to um, leverage that credit profile to get access to cheaper funding, right? So um, those, those, those are the core areas in which invoice factoring is kind of different from um, from crowdfunding, um, P2P lending, and the rest. And those 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 things as well, more or less, highlight the, the advantages itself, right? That number one, it's not a loan. So you are not, you don't have loans written on your books with paying monthly interest charges on them. Um, in invoice factoring, you trade your rights to receivable and you take a one-time charge and you move on with your life, right? And you fund your next business opportunity. Um, two, you can also leverage the credit profile of, it, of, of, um, of your business partner which could be far better than yours. That means you can have access to funding at a way cheaper rate than, um, than what you would have if you were to use um, your own your own credit quality. So those those two things are what really makes it more attractive, especially to small businesses in this part of the world. Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, so um, invoice factoring seems very interesting. So you are using, you are deploying a 
technology um, solution. Uh, and due to the agile nature of technology platforms, um, that's considering the fast nature of um, transactional speed and dependency on outsourcing of core functions, um, is expected that you have a very strong um, framework for risk management um, that just matches the speed and pace of your business. So what approach do you think fintech firms like yours need to adopt to preserve the integrity of the marketplace as it is? Okay, I mean, thanks. Key thing, I think that's what you are doing mention is um, the risk management process has to be robust, right? Um, that's the only way you can protect the integrity of, of the marketplace. Um, that's the only way you can ensure the right parties are invited and the right parties are the only ones that can play. And um, that's, that's also the only way you can enforce certain rules, right? And to ensure that everyone plays by the rule um, of, of such. Um, it, and, and in order for you to get your risk management right and um, to, to deploy the, the right strategies in that regard, it's, it's very, very critical that you also have the right advisors, right, and you work with the right parties. Um, in this instance, in our own case, um, having um, the right lawyers with the right, um, say, transaction pedigree and, and, and your experience to support this. And again, I'm not going to rule that out. Um, DHQ was 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 very supportive. Um, I remember we had so many back and forth with regards to um, what the risk management profile should be, what, what should be the content of the collaboration agreement and, 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 and things like that, right? And um, that itself has been very helpful. Why it was a tedious process because we really wanted to move fast, um, but again, um, we had we, we had our, our lawyers um, putting us in check to ensure things are done are, are done properly. Um, again, I, I, I dare say that we've we've done a pilot. We did pilot for for the first six months of 2021, and we commenced full operations second half of 2021 to date. We've not had any incidents of um, defaults on the platform, we've been able to leverage um, the, the the strong um, guidelines framework on foundation and risk management in conjunction with um, with our advisors and our DHQ um, to be able to maintain the integrity of the platform and to also be able to attract the right parties and give everyone comfort that um, that it's the right place to be. So I would say for 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 anything that for anyone that's interested in this space, getting the right um, transaction parties, especially your lawyers, as um, to to advise you is key and ensure that you have the right things in place. Yes, thank you very much. I really remember the um, back and forth process in developing the risk metrics and all the risk management um, strategies we put in place. Um, so um, back to CAPSA and your um, platform. Um, what is um, what is the pre-qualification criteria for vendors to be admitted on your platform? Um, do you have like a process or procedure in place? And are there specific kinds of invoices that can be listed on your platform are you agnostic okay um first thing we 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 for the vendors right we we we, we don't really have specific requirements because again the the focus for us is more of the anchors that's the corporate entities right that's where the risks that's where we, we really spend our time to um to to ensure that those anchors are 
are, are credible and we have like a detailed list of things we go through to, to select the right counterparties. Um, for the vendors, what is what is really required is just basic KYC and uh, in as much as a registered entity in Nigeria, um, they, uh, they they have all their, all their relevant regulatory approvals. Um, yeah, they're good to come onto the platform, but key for them to come to the platform is they must also be registered with um, the corporate businesses that will sign onto the platform, right? And that takes me to answering your point to say what kind of invoices can be listed. So um, any 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 vendor out there cannot just come to our platform and list an invoice. The vendor needs to be one, a service provider to the counterparties or anchors businesses that we have registered onto the platform, right? So for instance, if um, say Mustafa and Co, um, is a vendor out there, he can't just come and list his invoice. So the first thing is Mustafa Amkod needs to um, be a supplier to, for, um, say, Olam Nigeria Limited, right? Because Olam, Olam is registered on CAPSA. So once Mustafa Nigeria Limited is a supplier to Olam, um, Olam Nigeria Limited, then they can register on CAPSA and they can list their invoices on CAPSA and then they can start trading their invoices on CAPSA. Um, so so that that's actually the key requirement for any vendor or supplier to list their invoice on our platform, right? Um, that said, um, are we agnostic to to any sector? No, we are not. Do we have limits as to the value that can be listed on the platform? No, we don't. In as much as the anchor um, has the balance sheets to fund that or to pay. Um, the, the particular value, um, we we have no we have no issues with that, and you can list as much as you can list as much as possible on the platform. Thank you very much for that um, clarification. So let's go to the side of the obligors, that's the people who um, need to um, pay on the invoice, or the people whose invoices um, are traded and will have the obligation of paying later. Um, that is like one of the biggest risks in the entire invoice factoring um, value chain. So how do you mitigate obligor defaults on your platform? Okay, I mean, the the very first thing which we mentioned earlier was having a robust um, risk management framework um, that, that, that which we work with, with DHQ. Um, so that's one. Um, two for us as a business was um, inherent in that framework was to be able to clearly define who we will work with and who are the parties we can bring on board, right? Um, and that's that has really shielded us from being able to identify credible entities into the platform. Um, to go into the details and to be a bit more specific, right? So one of the things we've done is to um, one uh, to look at the number of years, right? This business have been in, has been in operation. So um, for us, starters is to see you've been in operations for greater than five years. So that gives us a sense of, um, yeah, that this business has really weathered the storm and um, they, they, they can really see things through. Although, I mean, not, not entirely true, but to a very large extent, it gives us that confidence. Um, number two, we also look at businesses that have strong revenue profile. Um, strong revenue profile in the sense that um, at a minimum on a year-to-year -year basis, um, they will do above, say, 10 billion naira in, in, terms, of, in terms of revenue. Um, we have, I mean, those, that's one of the, um, one of the, one of the requirements. Um, number three, we also try to deal with businesses, again, depending on the sector, that would, um, you know, has a balance sheet size of at least minimum 50 billion. 
right? Um, and in some sectors, our tire has been 100 billion. So what, what that does is it gives us some level of comfort that um, the, the business is strong and that they can um, they can meet the obligations as that went due. Um, number four thing we do, aside from looking at financial metrics to, um, to check, I mean, other financial metrics I don't go into details are things like um, operating cash flow, um, profitability of the business, and things like that. But aside from look, looking at quantitative um, requirements, right, for us, um, we also tend to look at some qualitative factors, right? Uh, qualitative factors such as one, we also want to look at what, what are the pedigrees of the promoters of the business. So we want to see um, who are the management, who are the directors, are they people that have the right character out there, or are they people are they, are they people that in their past they've had any any character stain, um, or they've they've done things in the past that's um, that's position them as people that, that don't keep up to their obligations or to their words, right? So that is very key for us to look at the sponsors or, or the management of the business. Um, another qualitative factor that we do is to um, gauge the brand perception of these businesses out there, right? And brand perception mainly from them being able to meet up with obligations to their suppliers. So we independently interview the suppliers, uh, that people that have done businesses at the minimum you know, three, three to five years with them and to really ask them to know, okay, you've done businesses with these guys for three years, four years, for five years. Um, how often or how regular does it pay you? If he says he's going to pay you on the third set, does it pay on the third set? And on what occasion or under what instances does it delay with respect to payment? So, I mean, once we're able to get all those, all those information, then we run that internally. And once the company, uh, you know, need to exceed, our risk defined threshold or benchmark, then we are happy to bring them on board. Um, just to note though, if the quantitative factors are fantastic, but the qualitative factor, especially with respect to the character and brand perception for them to meet the obligation, turns out to be negative or poor, we don't we don't admit such people, um, such businesses into our framework. So that's how we've been able to maintain the sanity of the platform and ensure that there are no issues of default so far. Okay, thank you very much. I was actually about to ask concerning um, if it, what will happen if there were discrepancies between the qualitative fa um, factors and the um yeah <laughs> i mean we, we know we know um i mean from from experience right character is the most important thing when it comes to when it comes to finance right or giving up cash so regardless of what the numbers say from a quantitative standpoint i mean if the person is to be a person and someone that doesn't keep to their word it's it's all a flop. So in as much as quantitative factors are good, but qualitative factors are way more important. So um, my next question is, is the invoice factoring market regulated? Um, what regulators do you have to interface with and who ensures that stakeholder interests are protected in the marketplace? Is it just a marketplace or an industry that is um, operating on its own? No, there is nobody you can look to for recourse or regulation. I don't know. Okay. Um, um, the invoice marketplace is regulated. Um, sorry, invoice is invoice factoring regulated in Nigeria? Yes, it is, and that's under the purview of the Central Bank of Nigeria. Um, for you to be a factor, for you to run factoring and provide invoice factoring, you have to 
you, you need a finance house license from the Central Bank of Nigeria. So that's the, um, that's the entity that regulates um, factoring as a business. Um, but with respect to our own space, um, we are the marketplace. So the marketplace is more or less uh, a technology-enabled solution. And what it does essentially is you are bringing in these regulated entities. Yeah, you are more or less inviting the regulated entities to come on with their balance sheets and and, and play in, in in that space, right? Um, today, um, it's a space that um, that um, hasn't really been covered by any form of regulation from the CBN. Um, what's what we've seen closest to it is more from the SEC standpoint, whereby um, SEC it's you no know, asking questions or evolving to see how 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 they can regulate the space for beat crowdfunding, beat um, platforms where um, people can come in and pull investment or people can come in and make investment in new asset classes, right? Um, so it's an ongoing conversation. It's not it's not something that is out there fully. Um, not something that's out there fully, um, but for you to be a factor, you, you have to be registered with CBN, but um, in the marketplace, um, it's more tilted towards the SEC and it's an ongoing conver- um, conversation between the SEC and other, and other say, fintech um, firms in, in that space. Okay, thank you very much for that um, clarification. Okay, so finally, um, before we let you go, um, many of our listeners who might be interested in signing up on the CAPSA platform, either to listing voices or to begin tr- to trading voices, how did they get started? Uh, what are the sign up requirements? I know we spoke about um, um, KYC requirements earlier on, but like, can you give us um, um, tips for trading profitability on the platform and you know the sign up requirements for people who may want to list invoices or trade invoices on the platform okay um so with respect to um sign up requirements um again let me just put this um in order to sign up it's it's mainly digital right so um signing up it's it's easy it's on um, www.getcapsa.com and you just click on the sign up button, then it's um, it takes you through the process. Um, but just to um, just to put out the specific details, right, for you to sign up, um, the key some key things that would require from you, um, if you're a business entity, um, we, one it's your again your business name as registered with the CAC. Um, two, it, um, the CST number three would um, at some would we also request for the BVN of a director of the business, um, where we more or less just you know to be sure that um, um, just to be sure that it truly a director of the business is aware and also authorizing that particular registration to happen. Um, for um, I think that's the third point. And four would also require to see um, some of your CST documentation um, from seven. Um, as well as the CSE certificate itself, um, just you know, to verify that truly you're registered and also see who the key promoters of those businesses are, right? And, and then the fifth thing as well, before you can trade your invoice after, after signing up is um, that you, you, you belong to an ecosystem, right? And you provide services for um, those, those corporate entities that we currently work with or that have executed a master collaboration agreement. But that said, we've seen situations whereby um, suppliers or vendors actually come to us and say, do you know what? I like what you do. 
but um, I provide services for company A, B, and C. They're not currently they're, they're currently not on your platform. I'm willing to make an introduction. Um, I'm willing to introduce you to them so that they can come on board for me to finance my invoices or trade it on your platform. So that's 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 some that's a trend we've seen and we've gotten um, quite a good traction from that. So in that instance, even if you can't find any of your your counterparties or companies on the platform, feel free to register. And let us know who they are. We are happy to discuss with them and put the right uh, framework in place for you to list and and, and trade your and trade your invoices. Um, so just to make it clear on how invoices are, are being traded and on, on how on how you can trade your your invoice profitably on the platform. Um, once once it's listed on the platform, um, the platform gets verified every details of those invoices with the counterparty. That's the anchor in, in this instance. And once that is approved, then um, all the financiers on the platform get to see the invoice and they'll meet you on offer. And um, for the first time, you as the vendor, as the supplier, compared to any other way else in Africa or in the world, you have a say on how much it is you want to finance your invoice, right? And you you, you decide what rate it is that works best for your business. So um, essentially, that's how it works from a vendor standpoint, right? You, you pick an offer, and then we, we facilitate the payment and settlement from the investor or financial standpoint. Um, if you are a financier and you also want to register, same thing, or you're an investor, you have some spare cash and you want to make money. Um, again, go onto the platform, you select register as an investor. If you're an institutional investor, you, you provide KYC information, again, CAC documentation, BVN of a director and the likes. For an individual investor, key thing about your BVN and, uh, and NIN and other, you know, um, government, some form of government identification will be required to onboard you onto the platform. And from there, you can just start buying verified invoices at a discount and um, make some spread on them. Wow, thank you so much, Mr. Mustafa. I know a lot about invoice factoring now. Thank you so much. This has been a very insightful episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking out the time. Oh, thank you so much. Um, really, really a pleasure and honor to, to spend the last 30 minutes with the DHQ team. And um, thank you as well for all the support. And um, yeah, look, looking forward to doing more business and uh, meet, meet with you guys down the line. Thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you so much for being an, an amazing audience. Um, remember, the conversation continues on our social media handles. Do remember to send us your comments and thoughts on today's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Simply by DLHQ. DLHQ Partners is an African-focused transaction advisory law firm operating out of Lagos, Nigeria. To know more, more about our services, please visit our website, www.dealhqpartners.com or follow us on our social media handles, Twitter at DealHQLaw, Instagram at DealHQLaw, Facebook at DealHQLaw, and LinkedIn at DealHQPartners. Thank you.